It is Dukes and Bell. It's Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We're going to talk to our man Dave O'Brien, but we start off every day and every hour by saying, Hey, man! We push Dave back just a few segments, and we are finally catching up with a uh, guy that covers the Braves, has covered MLB for a very long time. We love his work. He writes for The Athletic. We're just a few weeks away, Dave, from pitchers and catchers reporting, and we'll talk Falcons coming up, so stay tuned for that. Two and weeks t- away. Yeah, in 20 minutes. So, not three. How do you Two. feel? Well, how do you feel about our club? Just generally speaking, we'll get into some of the specifics, but I've been saying the Braves well, they're the fans. Five time defending champions. They won 101 games last year, and they're as good or better this year. Well, they win 101 games. I don't know because okay. a lot of things got to go your way to win 101 games. All right. And they're not going to play the same schedule. They're not going to be able to beat up on the Nationals and. Well, the Marlins easily play them pretty tough, but they're not going to play those two teams as many times. So who, who knows? I mean, you don't know how good the teams they're going to pick up on the schedule are going to play or anything like that. So they could win 95 games or 105 games, and, and it wouldn't indicate whether they were better or worse than last year. But I think the team, if uh, guys stay healthy, perform anywhere close to what they're capable of, should be better than last year. I was going to say, that's a great point. I totally forget. We hadn't really mentioned that much that you're going to the completely balanced schedule. Everybody plays everybody. So if you got sick and tired of seeing the Marlins and Nats, as Dave just said, good. that's good news, man. Dave, I know that we've yeah. talked a lot about leadership. Play them a lot. D- Dave, is leadership overblown as far as who will be the next guy to step nope. in? Is it simply Travis Darno, or are we going to miss Dansby? No, nope, I don't think it's overblown. I think chemistry is more important than leadership because leadership can be handled by several guys. In other words, it doesn't have to be one guy. Was just a clear team captain the way Freddie Freeman was when he was here last year. They didn't they they didn't have as far as I could tell and guys I talked to they didn't have any problem filling that void. But it was a matter of a bunch of different guys had to be a little bit more assertive and you know you'd be more lead, you'd be more of a leader in this area you in this area you speak out here you and your your meetings that kind of thing. So, um, but I don't think it's overrated uh, um, it, it, as far as just. Overall, it's got to come from somebody. There has to be that chem. I, I should say chemistry is the most important thing rather than leadership. But uh, I, I think that they, uh, losing Freddie and then losing Dansby, you certainly have to – somebody has to pick up the slack. I mean, somebody has to uh, has to be willing to say things when they need to be said because Dansby kind of adapted that role last year with Freddie gone. And, and I was told that's why how he acquired the nickname the sheriff last year. So, What position are you concerned about? Uh, the two that everybody is, obviously has questions and wants about, shortstop and, and especially left field. Um, but I, that concern is tempered a little bit in that I know there's a lot of teams that are going to be lagging in left field. Left field is a weakness for a lot of teams. And on the other hand, uh, in just in general, no team has a superstar. No team has uh, solid production at every position. It might look like that on paper, but somebody there's going to be a weak spot in, in every team. So I think if the Braves get good defense at shortstop, they only need decent offense from that. They don't need Dansby's you know, 25, 30 homers. Um, they might get a, a higher batting average and OVP than Dansby had in the typical year, even if uh, even if they don't get so much power production. Um, and left field is just a big question mark because you don't know what's going to happen with Azuna. Right. Is it going to look like crap like he did the last two years for the most part? Or is it going to look like he did down the stretch last year when he was hitting the ball hard? And and like he did, you know, 2020 isn't that long ago when he was really led the league in homers and RBIs. I'm not going to do that again. But somewhere in between, if they could get that kind of production from him, they'd be thrilled. 
Um, and Rosario is a big question because you can't really, you got to kind of throw out last year because he had, he had that laser eye surgery. He couldn't see the ball in spring training. You know, that when he injured it at some point, he had the eye surgery, but when he came back, you know, it comes back to my surgery in the middle of the season. He just wasn't himself. So now he's had, you know, an extra five months to get healed. And I'll be interested to see what, uh, what he looks like. Cause if he can return to, you know, the Rosario we saw down the stretch in, in the World Series year, and especially in the playoffs, if he, if he can do anything even remotely similar to that, then all of a sudden, let's feel he's in a big question mark. So, and then he picked up like four guys uh, kind of off the scrap heap or trades, and, and between that, I think they can piece it together. Between those guys they picked up, guys like Kevin Pillar from the Mets a few years ago was real good, or it was solid at least. The guy that got hit in the face, tough guy. Yeah. Um, guys like that, the guy that got from the Rockies, they can piece it together, I think, and get and be okay in left field. You know, they did it last year, and I think they can do it again. Shortstop's a bigger thing. You you just got to get solid defense from shortstop because it's otherwise you it kind of screws up everything. No doubt. It's Dave O'Brien from the Athletic Guys. We're talking about our Braves. It's Dukes and Bell Sports Radio, ninety two nine. The game, Falcons uh, Falcon report coming up here in less than ten minutes. Dave, what about? Um, when you look at this pitching staff, do we have enough? We got our starters. Yep. We know there are yep. going to be a couple of guys that compete for the fifth spot in the rotation. How do you feel about the bullpen overall? Do we have enough pitching? Hell of a hell of a pitching staff. It's uh, if if guys stay healthy, it should be better than last year's. The bullpen got better. The pickups weren't sexy names, but solid guys like Lutke. If you look at his numbers the last two years with the with the Yankees, the veteran lefty mid. He's in his mid-30s, but he had great numbers the last two years with the Yankees. You had him in there, and then Jimenez moving into the setup role, the guy from Detroit. He's a big, big, kind of a uh, like 260, 70-pound guy that goes hard, got good stuff, doesn't walk people, a lot of strikeouts. Um, he struck out 33% of the batters he faced last year. It was like top 5% in baseball. You move him into the setup role, that Iglesias had last year. Iglesias moves up to the closer, and you're better in those spots now. So, right. you know, with what they added, you know, because last year, you know, they, don't forget, they, they, they went almost the whole year basically without Matzik, and when he was there, he was hurt. He wasn't pitching very well. And they went the whole year without Luke Jackson. So the bullpen was a lot lesser last year than it was the year before, and it was still pretty good. It was still real good. So they have a, they, they're able to, to piece that together on the fly if they have to, and they got such good chemistry and camaraderie in that bullpen that I think that uh, they'll be able to continue that. But but I like the talent they got in the bullpen this year more than mm. than last year. You know, in retrospect, because Matzik you know was hurt and Luke got hurt in spring training, so right. it should be a better pen. And and that rotation, you got Turner uh, is thirty nine. Obviously, he's not what he used to be. But if you look at a stretch last year, because he he spent last winter rehabbing from the broken leg that he suffered in the world series, you know, the previous world series. So he really started last spring training way behind and it showed early on. But if you look, he had a stretch there and it wasn't, I'm not talking five or 10 games. I'm talking 17 starts where he was every bit as good as he had been in the, in the past five years. So I, I still think Charlie can be more than adequate, especially where they need him. He might, he could arguably, if he's, if he's regular Charlie Morton, are close to it. He could be the best number four starter in the league. And that's where they're going to need him, number four, because they're set at top with Freed, Strider, who's dominant, and Kyle Wright, who only led the majors in wins last year. You know? 
I'm not a big wins guy, but he he also had a low three ZRA. I mean, he was strong. Kyle Wright was strong. So your first three is about as good as anybody's as far as being reliable, all that. I mean, very good. And Strider, I'm really excited to see what he can do because this dude last year was just ridiculous. And, and if him in the, in the rotation from day one, remember, he didn't join the rotation last year until two months in. So him from day one. I mean, he might get 300 strikeouts in 180 innings. <laughs> I mean, he's that good. Right. And wearing 99, by the way, and an homage to Wild Thing from uh, from Major League as well. Dave O'Brien, guys. Yeah, just, that's pretty funny, man. If you're just tuning that's in, guys. Funny. He's got a great sense of humor. Right. If, man, if you, the more interviews you see with him, the guys get, if you get to know him, he is hilarious. And he's super smart. He's a really smart guy. He's a lot going on. Kind of the Greg Maddox type, mm. uh, really smart guy but really funny, kind of goofy funny. Uh, he's a little more uh, sophisticated in the interviews than Greg was. But the same kind of guy, guys, really likable. Uh, you just know there's a whole lot going on there. The gears are working in that brain at all times. Right so, on. Hey, he's, by the, he's great pickup. Hey, by the way, I know that we uh, we talked about, you know, Vaughn Grissom and his high. Like, how does he handle the pressure? And what was, what was your take on him last year? Because obviously Money Mike came in and just killed it. And it seemed like I thought the, the stats were great, but Grissom tailed off a little bit. What What is he going to do? We know he's been yeah. working with Ron Washington. What is a realistic, ex, realistic expectation for Braves fans? Well, I mean, if you look at the stats, it was like, you know, terrific when he first came up for about a month and then really slumped after that. And I think it was a classic case of a rookie that teams adjusted to. Nobody knew anything about him when he came up, and, he, and they got fastballs to hit, and he raked. Then teams found his weakness, exploited it, whatever that was. So now it's a matter of him making adjustments, and he will. He's a smart kid, but I mean, he's being asked to do that last year as a 21-year-old, playing a playing a position that you know he played in the minors. Yeah, but he, he you know, he second base was not his primary position. He's a shortstop, so he's actually going back to his more customary position. Playing it at the big league level is different, but you're not gonna you're not gonna get a better preparation than spending you know three and a half weeks with Ron Washington over the course of the winter working one-on-one, not like he's working with five guys. He's working like he would in a regular workout. He's working just with him. So, And Wash, if you go back and look at Oakland, I mean, there were guys that literally gave their gold gloves to Wash after they got him because they said, he's the guy that made me a gold glover. And it's like Shane is. I mean, they were, he was uh, – uh, nobody teaches the nobody teaches intro better than him and – Grissom is a really good athlete, and I, I, I think I, I think he could surprise some people. I think he could be really good over there. And offensively, he's got terrific bat-to-ball skills. Um, he, he's and we saw that when he first came up, and hit that home run on the first night. But uh, I think he's going to be fine. I, I think a lot of people are really concerned about it, and I think they maybe overly concerned just because the way he struggled down the stretch. But I, I think he'll be fine when he, he's got to focus all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the thing they were trying to get him to do because he'd lose. And Dan's, we told me this last year. He loved him, Grissom, when he first came up. He said, I love the kid. And, and I asked him about shortstop, and he said, he's got to focus more. I mean, he's got – he loses his focus. I mean, I think it's just being such a young, talented player that he could get by with natural talent sometimes and, and skate by in the minor leagues and still rake and get on base. And in the majors, he can't afford to do that, take a pitch off here and there. And I think – I'm sure Wash has drilled that into him. So – I would really expect to see marked improvement in that area, shortstop, where he knows he cannot 
afford to make a little careless mistake. I mean, he's just going to be have to be on at all times when he's on the field. Dave O'Brien, our guest. Dave, we lost Dana Brown, vice president of scouting. He's now the Astros general manager. He was a guy behind the scenes a lot of people didn't know yeah. about, but he was incredible at his Terrific. job. And really good. He was great. And, and I wonder how you feel about what that means for the organization moving forward and Alex and the decision-making that we've had. When you're talking about some of the talent, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, uh, Vaughn Grissom, Dana had a big part in all of those guys. Yep. Yeah, he had, an, he had a run of drafts there. He had a few drafts that it's hard to, for anybody to match the drafts he had. I mean, the one draft with all three of those guys you mentioned, um, Harrison, Strider, I mean, he's, and we're not even talking about first round where it's hard to miss on guys in the first 15 picks. We're talking about third round, fourth round, Von Grissom, I think it's 11th round. <laughs> I mean, they did a hell of a job. And this was, and then they had Langoliers, and uh, they used him to get, you know, Olsen. Um, they, they had about six guys that really were impressive uh, draft picks that, that were down, down, down at later rounds mostly, not Langoliers, who was a first rounder, but. Uh, really good picks. To answer your question, it's a loss. There's no doubt. Um, but Alex has several months to get a new one. It's too late to do it right now in, in, in the baseball year. Uh, it's too late to get a scouting director now. You wait till after the season's over when you can you know, talk to guys and, and somebody can move from one organization to another. I'm not going to do that right now. So um, we'll see how it affects them in this draft. I think it probably won't affect them that much because they got you know, they know, I think, how they feel about most of the guys that are uh, possibilities in the June, this June's draft. Um, the guy, his assistants, I think, have a real good handle on that. Uh, and knowing Alex and the reputation he has and, you know, the, the prestige that this organization has right now, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't bring in a really good scouting director. It's probably good that it is too late to do it right now because it gives him months to do it instead of, you know, doing something on the fly, and I think no one just knowing Alex. He won't settle for anything less than another really good one, but he goes way back with uh, with Dana. So he's going to be hard to replace, there's no doubt. Dave, we appreciate you stopping by, man. Great stuff. Thanks for connecting mm-hmm. with us. Can't wait. Two weeks until Pitchers and Catchers report, yep. guys. It's uh-huh. going uh, to be a great year. All right. Thanks so much, uh, Dave. You got it. Dave O'Brien with The Athletic. It's Dukes and Bell, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Hey, he just laid out a bunch of stuff for us. We're going to have a good club. Right. I know we're all concerned about the Dansby factor, and rightfully yeah. so. And the Mets obviously spent crazy, but they got to show some clutch. Yeah, we're going to be fine. All right, coming up, Falcon Report's on the way. Also, your chance to win tickets to go see Brian Adams, guys. So happy it hurts with a very special guest, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts at Gas South Arena. We've got tickets this hour. Stay tuned. We'll give them away at some point between now and 6. It's Dukes and Bell on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Is brought to you by John Foyt Associates Personal Injury Law. Falcon fans, do you believe that we are in the best position to win this division moving forward? It's Dukes and Bell Sports Radio 929 the game. I do. Um, and Mike and I have been talking about this today. And you know, with the Brady announcement yesterday, which is, is it's a big deal, there's no doubt. Tampa is moving in uh, the wrong direction. Okay. They, they've got to figure out some things. Carolina, we heard Frank Reich, he had his introductory press conference. He said, Oh, we got to get the quarterback right. Okay, well, that means they don't have that guy. And then the Saints and Bobby Abear, who you'll hear in about an hour from now, came on the show, Mike, today, and he was saying, look, 
you know, they didn't want to fire Dennis Allen, but all he's getting down there in New Orleans is we need to fire Dennis Allen. Yeah, because they're used to Sean Payton, for better or for worse. The man, you know, was the quarterback whisperer. Now, Bobby also said things are so, I mean, you could argue, I wouldn't say bleak, but things are so not Drew Brees era like that Andy Dalton is considered a viable option because actually when you really crunch the numbers, Dalton's numbers weren't all that bad in the second half of the season. Although I, I don't know, that's not very compelling for any Saints fan. But we said it earlier, Carl just touched on it. The, the, the vision was won by the GOAT, the greatest quarterback to ever dress out. They won eight games. Mm. So, I mean, if that's the measuring stick, and I know that, look, we, we, I think by year three, no matter what we knew we were inheriting with this new general management coach as far as cap and the roster, year three had to be playoffs. So it's got to be playoffs for this team. It does. Here's why I feel the way I do, and maybe you disagree. Um, because there are still a lot of questions, and there will be even when camp starts and Mike and I and, mm-hmm. and Arch and everybody's up there and we're going, all right, what do we got? What's this look like? But the, th- the three things that I feel very confident about are coaching. Arthur knows what he's doing. I know you might not believe it, but he's doing a lot more with less. Let's wait until he gets more talent. He knows what he's doing. Cap. We're out of cap hill. We got money to spend. Let's spend it smartly. Let's mm-hmm. do the right things. And then we got the eighth overall pick. Okay, so your team automatically has a chance to get better from where we were with the right pick at eight and then those additional picks. So you've got coaching, you've got cap space, you've got picks. The quarterback, I get it. We still are reluctant to completely buy in, at least I am. But, Mike, I feel better about our situation than the other three teams in this division. Yeah, and we know that, uh, you know, Desmond, if, if you've gone to him sooner. You know, would we maybe have won a few more games. I still thought, and we talked about it with Bobby, it was a tough game to throw him into down at the Superdome. But, again, water under the bridge. They do have a sample size. It's only four games. What did he do? He got Drake London involved that Mariota could not. You'd love to have seen him with Pitts. That was, again, Pitts was injured. Now go get a wide receiver, and whether you do that through free agency, a slot guy, or you want to get another big six-footer, you want more physicality. I mean, I, I was doing mock don't laugh. Don't Please don't laugh. I know it's early. I did a mock draft today. Okay. And but I but here's the problem with mock drafts. You know who I got? Who'd you get? Jalen Carter. Oh, which you're not, means not you getting him. Which means the draft is completely ridiculous. Yeah. And whoever wrote the thing, and this was like from Pro Football Focus, their thing. So that's you throw it right out the window. Yeah. But you go get a corner, get the best defensive player, edge rusher, perhaps there's a lot of edge rushers, early days, linked in the six to ten range, because everyone else is gonna go quarterback. Well, let me just throw this. Can I throw one side, curveball at Let's you? Let's do quick? it. Let's do it. What do you think Falcon fans would feel about if there's a, a Will Levis goes first and somebody changes and zigs when they should zag, and a guy like C.J. Stroud is there at eight. There's going to be a lot of people saying they want C.J. Stroud. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. There just will, Mike. Listen, C.J. Stroud increased his draft stock with the game he played against Georgia. But C.J. Stroud was good all year long. I think he answered some of the questions that people had doubts about in that particular game. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me it's somehow, some way at eight, mm. he's there, and you don't take him, then Arthur Smith knows something we don't. Because right. I, I, I got to tell you, if you're feeling comfortable enough to not take a guy who's rated as the second best quarterback mm. on the board behind Bryce, and he's there and you don't take him, I, I, I think, Mike, a lot of people will have questions about that. Now, there's some mock drafts where C.J. Stroud goes to the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are – again, there's edge rushers. we got plenty of time to get to the combo. I'm just throwing it out there because, again, I, I don't – I had some free time today. I walked the dog early. I was doing some mocks. Now, back to the Falcons. Free agency is where we address defensive tackle. Maybe we address guard. 
And then the, then you got the Caleb McGarry question, which is still a question. It is a big question. And we, if you missed earlier in the week, guys, we gave you, like, the, the best 49ers tackle is considered a better run blocker than pass blocker. But how much are you willing to spend? And you don't want to spend – you're not going to – you know, you don't want to spend $18 million a year on Caleb McGarry because then, as you said yesterday, if you missed the show, this guy, it took basically him being told you're not good enough to get his best season. So what happens if I give him a $75 million contract? You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, I, I don't know if his work ethic continues on the upward trajectory. goes the other way. Yeah. It's what I've been saying, Mike, about him. I, I, I have my reservations. Um, but this is going to be a big decision for Terry Fontenot because if you roll the dice and, and it does work, right, I still think you're overpaying. But you have to pay the what the market is. And this is why you don't like guys to get to free agency. This is why you take care of guys who you feel like are going to be an important part of your team. The problem was they didn't feel that way. They felt like it was a prove-it year. And now when you go to a prove-it year and a guy proves it, mm. now you got to pay the going rate. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a sticky situation for the Falcons with, with Caleb McGarry. I don't think it's cut and dry. I don't think he's on the board right now and you go, we're chalking up 18 a year for him. I just don't. Whether you want to go get the best defensive tackle, one thing for certain, you look at the Saints and their defense, and I know that we we're, not re- we're not revisiting the Marcus Davenport conversation, but one of the things that Bobby Abear did bring up is the, and you'll hear this coming up next hour, one of the guys who did a nice job and a guy that was relatively inexperienced because he came from Africa, played his college ball in high school in Canada, was uh, David Onyemata. And that would be a guy, maybe, I don't know what the price would be, a rotational guy. And then you're starting to build the defense. If you want to use a model, why not use the Eagles? They're rotating seven guys now. Yeah. Um, the crazy thing is he he was good. Certainly the first few seasons in their, their 17, 18, 19 years. But, again, it wasn't as if he was a double-digit sack guy. So you're getting a rotational guy. And okay? I'm not saying back up the Brinks drug. No. I'm saying that's that's what uh, Fontenot was brought here to bring guys on a, on a value. And, and and to your point, if the age doesn't scare you and, you know, health, I don't know what his health is, I would be more in tune to do something like that than I would Marcus Davenport, especially when you talk about guys that can play inside. But with that said, you know, again, this isn't we hired a coach from the Saints and let's go bring all the Saints players here. That's not what I want to do. Um, coaching is different because, again, those are relationships. I need guys that can play. I, I'm not bringing in guys just because I coach them and it feels good no. and it's a feel-good no. story. I don't give a damn about all of that. I need guys that can play. So I want to see who those guys are going to be and what our scouting department looks at, Mike, and says, hey, yeah, this is a guy we're high on because we don't have – listen – just because we have cap space, we don't have room for error to make two or three mistakes in free agency and then feel like things are going to be fine. You do that, Mike, we're going to be right back in the same place. Again, guys, Fletcher Cox is 32. Hargrave is 30. That's why we keep coming back to what Squidbilly talked about with uh, Deron Payne. He's 26. That That's what makes more sense for us. And that's why he's going to be more expensive. Correct. But yeah. if he, next to Grady, with an upgrade through the draft, the, the talent develops. This is what this guy was brought in. That's why we brought this guy, Ryan Fields, in here. But you get that centerpiece next to Grady, changes everything. All right, guys, coming up, we're going to talk about the photo. We <laughs> dissect it. What does it mean? It's Dukes and Bell on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. But right now, we want to give you a chance to go see Brian Adams. Call her 7 at 404-741-0929. Very special guest, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts at Gas South Arena June 18th. Caller 7, you're going to see Brian Adams right now on Dukes and Bell.
Hawks last night, they got it done. Big win, most complete game, I think, on the road this year. As one of our listeners said, 132-100. It's Dukes and Bell Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Want to give a big, a big shout-out to Chris Brown, who won the tickets. Uh, he's going to get a chance to go see Brian Adams' uh, tour that's going to be here oh, nice. June like a sl- 18th. A slice of 1986 right in your face. Can't wait. Joe Jett, I've seen Joe Jett before. Man. Okay. He was on a great show, by the way. Yeah. Tickets go on sale, by the way, February 3rd, 10 a.m., at AXS.com if you want tickets. So we're giving you tickets before you can get them. But Chris Brown, thanks for listening to Dukes and Bell. All right, Mike, uh, last night, let's dissect this photo because the photo <laughs> came out after the game. All right, and here's the reason why this is this is something. Not telling you it's a big deal, but it is something. How many of these photos have you seen all season? Uh, zero. Correct. Now, some people would say that behind the scenes, there's been some things going on with this team. Whether guys actually get along, they like each other, we don't know. I don't know. I agree. I'm not going to tell you they do or they don't. But you haven't seen this kind of photo after games. So last night when Trey puts it out and people are like, oh, that's cool, man. Look, everybody's in the photo. Oh, snap. Nate's in the photo. Yeah, and by the way, this wasn't like a Harlem Shake video like the Miami Heat did years ago. Although, wouldn't that be fun to see Nate going, whoa, whoa. It would be. It would be. I, I, I think that people believe like Nate and, and Trey just absolutely hate each other. So I don't know why people were tripping off of that. But Trey achieved a milestone last night. He reached 3,000 career assists. And I said to Mike, that's kind of how I'm looking at this. I received a milestone. I got. A, I reached a milestone. I'm going to take a picture with the crew that I did it with. We're all going to take a snapshot. Right. Hey, Kaminsky, know. put a shirt on. <laughs> I don't know, Mike, if it means more than that or does it. All right. I saw the photo, and again, not that we're sitting there going to, like Carl said, we're going to break this thing down to the subatomic level, but it's cool. If it's something, two things. If it's genuine, that's cool. If they're aware of all the talk and they figure, let's do something with shows we're solid, that's cool, too. Yes, yes it is. Because either way, that would be described by most people as a team-building exercise. Everybody get in the picture. Nate get next to Trey. Whatever. I'm not going to sit here and break, as you said, people are going to break it down like, well, look at the body language. It's a, something, and if it's a Trey award, that the, I mean, it's a Trey record, I should say, and everybody wants to get involved with it as if they're part of it, that's fine. I think the dysfunction lies in the front office, but some of this maybe has been mitigated, what we're hearing between Nate and Trey. Maybe it's gotten better. If that's the case, well, then then let's go on a run. I'll tell you in a minute about why the Heat are the team I think we can beat and surpass. But, Carl, can we put a run together? Go win in Utah. Win this road trip. Go in and win some of the games at home. Finish, like, win 7 out of 11 before the All-Star break. Something like that. Yeah, I, I'm hoping. I don't we, know. I hope we can. Um <laughs> but I think that, that comment, but that comment is kind of true because we've been mediocre all season long. We've been, we haven't been a team that's been 10, 12, 15 games over 500. That's not been our lot in life. So yeah, to beat the Jazz tomorrow, as one guy said, Dukes, if they lose to the Jazz tomorrow, it's right back where we were. You can't play as well as we did against the Suns and then go lay an egg against the Jazz or, for that matter, against the Nuggets in a back-to-back on Saturday, Mike. And for me to feel good and then all right, well we'll see what happens with the Pelicans who are in a losing streak of their own. But I'm hoping we can get a run together because you're saying if we do, we have a chance to catch some teams. Guys, right now when you look at the standings, and I gave you the numbers, look at the numbers earlier in the show about uh, what the records are and the strength of schedule. We have got uh, the uh, eighth toughest schedule with 30 now games to go, 26 and 26. Okay. The Heat have the 12th toughest schedule. But I think they're the team we can beat. And the reason I mentioned the Heat, they are jammed up against the cap. Now, you can root for the Heat to kind of struggle because they're apparently looking to make a move and get maybe to get, not uh, Mike Lowry, Dwight Lowry, Lowry off of the roster. Kyle. 
Kyle and his brother, too, and Dwight. They're trying to move two guys. No, they're trying to get Kyle Lowry off the roster. They're also interested in Kelly Olynyk, but they got to get in the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. And as Aaron, their owner, want to get back in the luxury tax, that's the question. So the Heat are going to try to make some moves. I think you can beat those guys. The Knicks, Cam Reddish hasn't, you realize Cam Reddish hasn't been playing in 27 games? For the Knicks? For the Knicks. So he hasn't played all season. Ever since he popped off about Thibodeau, he's basically put him on the pay-no-mind list. The Knicks are in front of us by one game. I think we can beat the Knicks. The Knicks have got the third toughest schedule in the last 30 games to go. So beat the Knicks, and I think the spot we should be rolling for is six. To get to where the Cavaliers are if they play at this clip, we've got to play like a 6-6-6 winning percentage. And that's for Satan. I'm just saying we've got to win two out of three games, which I'm not sure that's doable. You know, we'd have to go 20-10. and 10. You know, now again, if you want to pray to be else, I'm not advising that. But we have to go like twenty and ten to get to the Cavs. It's not a, likely. No, Mike, it doesn't sound like it's something we've been able to do. I'm here, Mark. The Heat. We oh. must beat the Heat. Beat the Heat. All right, so that puts us in the six, six, and then we're not in the play-in. And then maybe if it, if it's chalk right now, we play the Sixers. All right. Can I hear Nate? By the way, talking about last night, uh, he was talking about a variety of things. But first thing is, he did not say last night things Nate didn't say. We need to start playing this game show. Things Nate didn't say. We started flat, slow pace. We weren't engaged. Mm. All those things. He didn't say that last night. What he did say is they set the tone early. I thought we got off to a good start. I thought we um, established our defense early. Uh, We had really good ball movement in that first half. Had 18 assists uh, in the first half. And uh, we was doing a better job of defending without fouling. Okay. Um, And that got us off to a great start. We shot 19 threes last night, too. We're flat. No, we were not, Nate. Not last (laughs) night. That's that's inaccurate. Yeah, we were good. Bogey, by the way, had 18 off the bench. Bo, this is what Bo's been saying. Trade Bogey, and it's all downhill. Bogey, a good game last night. Um... Yesterday, Mike, I was saying Bogey is going to, you know, opt in and to get his $18 million. Bogey is going to opt out if he keeps playing like this because he's going to make more money. Right. He's going to opt out and make more money. Yeah. Um, and, and what I'm saying is next year, guys, and this is when Bogey has that $18 million opt-in or for a player option. Why would you do that when you're giving your, you know, you're coming off the bench, Mike. Mm-hmm. If he keeps playing like this, we're going to be talking about six man of the year potentially. And more importantly, I think he's shooting like 40% from the field. Mike, those numbers will get you $25 million in the league. And that's where, again, in a perfect world, you have all these guys, and you have guys off the bench, and, oh, that means we're in the luxury tax. Well, mm. the top 10 teams, 11 teams, we're 11th right now in payroll. This gets back to, should we make the commitment to bogey and make the commitment to staying pat and not trying to move John Collins and actually pick up another piece of salary? See, there, and you know, that's the question. There's the rub. Yeah. Everyone says to your, everything you just laid out, bogey's going to become too cost prohibitive and you're going to move on from him. But I'm saying, can't we, you know, put prime the pump, as it were, and, and stay in this? And, and then it's the message you sent to Trey and DeJounte because DeJounte could go first, DeJounte right. can opt out. You know, and that's and then then the, the whole trade is useless, and you and you lost draft picks for nothing. Yeah, that's it, it's you got to figure out this puzzle, and the puzzle is getting the star players to believe that the organization is moving in the right direction. Listen, I said this; I'll continue to say I do not know if this front office, as constructed, is in over its head. It may be, mm. but we're about to find out because the trade deadline comes and goes, and we don't do jack. You're going to wonder, and you're going to scratch your head. If we do too much and we give away too much, you're going to wonder and scratch your head. 
Either way it goes, we're about to find out where we're at and what the direction of this team is going to be moving forward. Yes, we do. We're going to figure it out. 404-741-0929. It's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. The good news is Hawks win last night. Mike, the photo? The photo. Right. I I don't know <laughs> hey, what it means. Everybody's happy. And it, you know, as we said, it just it seems like okay, if everybody's kumbaya, then then them, as I said on I actually reached out. I mean, not that Trey was gonna hit me back on Twitter, but I he said Mike, hey. you never know. <laughs> All I said was He's got listening ears. I wrote love, positive vibes. Channel that. Make a run to lock in that playoff position. You know what you're kind of expected when you're paid a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> Be careful though, Mike. Rayford might hit you back. <laughs> I think he's blocked. I don't think I'm blocked by Trey's dad. Not yet. He, he's pretty Hold much on. blocked everybody let me, else. Let me check that out real uh, quick. Honest to God, have no clue how I am not blocked yet. He's pretty by much his blocked dad. everybody else. But I get it. Dad's active on social media, supporting his son. It's all good. But at the end of the day, it's not personal. It's business. I think I could be blocked. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was saying. That's all right. Probably when I when I made fun of the, the calf contusion against oh. the Nets a few weeks well, back. Listen, I was at that game. I had a poor kid next to me saying, Trey's not playing. I was like, let's go get a beer. Kid. Broke the kid's heart. Well, I said, let's go get a beer. The kid's like, I'm not old enough. I was like, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> what are you sitting? Are you sitting next to Urkel? <laughs> the kid's like, uh, you know, I'm just saying. I felt bad. I was like, let me get you a beer. He's like, I'm not old enough. Did I'm I like, do that? <laughs> Bobby A. Bears coming up. <laughs> In the 6 o'clock hour, doesn't it feel like we got a leg up on the Saints just a little bit? Mm. You'll hear what he has to say about that, but we'll come back. Hey, the dogs may lose their coordinator. Meanwhile, Alabama's on the verge of interviewing and maybe hiring their new coordinator. We'll talk about it coming up.